and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover is about a clutch of direct-to-consumer or D2C brands that have grown more than proportionately during the pandemic. The challenges are now to stay nimble while outpacing the industry. And joining me to talk about his package is Forbes India's Rajiv Singh. Hi again, Rajiv. Always fun talking to you. Hi, Abhi. You've written a bunch of stories and uh, I won't fault you for being dreary-eyed. Uh, because it's a fat package and uh, the title uh, to this package is rather colorful. It has a picture of a footballer bending it like Beckham uh, with the title itself saying as such, alluding to the rules that these outfits have broken. Now, why the comparison and what exactly did you set out to achieve? Oh, definitely. But before I go back to David Beckham, let me first tell you the package has 10 stories. It's a team effort. So one story is done by my colleague Divya, other is by Nani. Third one is by Nandika and the fourth one is by Anubhuti. So all of us together have weaved together 10 stories. And now going back to the question of why, why bending it like David Beckham? Because nobody can have such a beautiful swinging free kick like David Beckham. And if you look at the pandemic, this is what it did to all the D2C companies who use this opportunity as, you know, tailwind for them. For last so many years, three years, four years, these companies have been in the game. They have been doing the business, but pandemic changed the games in terms of an inflection point in in consumer demand. Everything went digital and these guys were already there. So they just have to notch up their play to to make an impact. And this is what they have done. And and for all these D2C startups, pandemic proved to be that free kick moment of their life. And you do have a yardstick to have these uh, companies on the cover. They needing to have at least 100 crore rupees as operating revenue and that you did not go after valuation. Why is that? See, it was very clear to all of us that the choice of having all these D2C players in the package, there has to be very differentiated players in terms of a couple of things. First, revenues, at least 100 crore in operating revenue. You need some benchmark of steady progress, reasonable progress. So 100 crore was that one thing. Second was either profitable or single digit EBITDA negative. You know, because... So if, if the losses are also under control and if there is a clear path to profitability, then it makes sense to have you in this package. These were the two broad things that we thought we should decide before making the cut. Right. And not uh, all companies from your list were fast out of the blocks, uh, so to speak. And that need not be a bad thing. For instance, you write about Country Delight, which is doing incredibly well. It had to wait for six years or it chose to wait for six years to raise the first round of funding before it knew what it stood for. And as one of the co-founders said that it was about a mass premium brand, it took them a while to realize which segment or what their positioning was. Yeah, the company remained bootstrapped for more than six years. And that's the beauty of staying bootstrapped because it teaches you financial discipline. It also teaches you to do more out of whatever little that you have. Because you know your resources are limited, so you have to maximize it. So, and, and Country Delight was, mind you, it was in a segment where you have Goliaths like Mother Dairies and Amuls of the world, they were just coming up with a very differentiated product. And this is what every startup in this package has, a very differentiated offering. It's not a copycat of Me Too product that they are doing. How different were they in this case for Country Delight? Because the milk happens to be a very commoditized market in the first place. So how did they choose to differentiate themselves? Milk, definitely, you know, there are different kinds of milk, but, you know, fresh milk from the farm, this is what they claim to deliver. And and this is what has done wonders for them because for the first six years, 
whatever sales they got it was largely by word of mouth no advertising nothing so fresh from the farm in few hours minimally processed milk this is what they claim and uh, that was it made the difference for country delight moving on to the next outfit that you wrote about a uh, noise in contrast with country delight had a pretty brisk rise to the top uh, didn't it you write that the journey from 0 to 1 did not take time so uh, an example where a company can grab eyeballs sooner as compared to a few others how did noise deal with competition such as uh, boat for instance that have deep pockets and at what makes noise a variable brand which is different from others a couple of things are be first it's a bootstrap brand all all its journey it's still bootstrap which is very unique and interesting for the size that it is now second if you look at noise the 0 to 1 journey happened very quickly and that journey was more about the product because they started by by selling mobile cases it's a commodity if you look at this segment of mobile cases and mobile covers you don't have a brand so you can make money but you don't have a brand and this is what you know both the cousins decided after reaching that particular scale that there is no fun in a game where you don't have a brand so they decided to stop selling mobile cases and get into uh, wearables and hearables and they had their own share of mistake because first they tried to be a premium brand so the pricing was so steep that they couldn't get the, the find the sweet spot or get the consumers but by the time the learning came boat had already taken the lead in hearable so they started with hearable and then you know noise cracked the game in the wearable which is smartphone now it is india's biggest smartphone brand which has you know distinct features as well as a, a price which is mass premium talking about noise in a crowded market how does a company swiftly introduce products from prototype to design to mass manufacturing in such quick time so see most of these companies are not anyways manufacturing in india r&d happens here designing happens here but the manufacturing is either outsourced to third party manufacturers or, or it, it's from countries like taiwan china or any other countries gradually now they have started because they have seen the perils of depending too much on any other country or third party manufacturers they have started building capabilities but it will take time so far it was largely r&d here design here but manufacturing done by the contract manufacturers another one that caught my attention was uh, 91 cycles which has a founder who uh, is an engineer and a former private equity top dog as you write what was sachin chopra's pitch to the investors when he decided that it was time for him to hang up his boots in the corporate world and start his entrepreneurial journey at the age of 40 selling cycles yeah very weird because you know cycles had never been aspirational in india they were companies they were brands but cycles were never aspirational and this guy always wondered why it was so and and it was a huge market it's not that the market was very small but the market was waiting for disruption and which he did in terms of if you look at the features that he had uh, india's first magnesium bike is what he introduced which uh, allows you to mold rather than weld which gives you the liberty to have uh, far snazzier designs it's lighter having said that rajiv in india is not a fitness crazed country a cycle let's say in amsterdam london or any of those western countries where health has become fashionable not so much in india and still is the market big enough as you say and how did he manage to crack his investors that's why i'm saying it's bending like a beckham the inflection point has almost appears to have reached market is expanding pandemic has made everybody realize that we have to think you know something about fitness if not completely about fitness 
so definitely market is rising and the very in the in the very fact that there are no competitors uh, branded competitors in this segment whatever you have it's either imported or all the existing players so th- this gives him a huge edge over the all the players in the market talking about uh, fitness uh, it is as important to get those 8 uh, hours of sleep in the night as it is to spend some time walking and cycling you write about sleepy heads what is their claim to fame <laughs> sleepy head is matters in a box who would have thought that matters can come in a box and that and that to you know the, the beauty of sleepy head is not only what they have done but from the the pedigree the background that they come duroflex family the family that has been in the business of matters for decades so, so somebody coming from that family and disrupting the market with with a very innovative and new product is something very sensational in in a country like india it has enough takers such a product in the first place because the the, the industry is fairly unorganized when it comes to you know mattresses you just go to your nearby small mattress shop where well mattresses are indeed expensive but you would rather get them from even dodgy operators who may not give you a gst bill so it, it, the market is that unorganized so how does sleepy heads manage to convince its customers direct to consumer digital first and then you would be surprised abhi that 99% of the sales of sleepy head comes from online people buy it online boss they only have experiential centers where people can go and experience the product see and feel the product but 99% of the sales happen from online and and this is the beauty of being digital first you completely bypass that offline which initially all this if you look at all the traditional players like hul like itc if you look at pepsis and other other traditional players of the world they took years building that traditional retail footprint being digital to first makes you completely bypass that still do you reckon that these online first or digital first brands may eventually need to have some sort of an offline presence because we see that happening for instance lenskart i've got one barely you know some 300 meters away from where i live there are three shops one is called makers which has been an offline store since time immemorial and then next to it there is titan and then you've got lenskart as well which is which was first a direct to consumer and then even pepper fries of the world or uh, urban ladders these are all online you you could buy furniture from them directly but they also have offline presence so is that more of a complementary thing in a country like india you can't afford to be uh, to to miss out the offline space online first or digital first only levels that feel for you which otherwise you would have never been able to do it or, or take on the goliaths of the world but once you have taken on to stay in the game and to beat the goliaths you have to go offline it has to be a hybrid model look at xiaomi what xiaomi did who would have thought that when xiaomi first came it would have it would take on samsung and emerge as india's biggest so digital first online first building a community online community helped it do that but later on it was a big hybrid play offline play so it's not initially it might be online online but as you evolve and as you grow it has to be a mix of both online and offline it can't be one at the cost of other you've also written about the super cute it's a baby diaper brand which is on your list how can a diaper be different what is it that they bring to the table that moms and dads might ditch established players and look for uh, something as new as super cute a differentiated product abhi i would say who would have thought that diapers would come with shorts and skirts you know and this again comes from consumer insight if you speaking to so many consumers and you've always seen babies in diapers and it's a struggle to make them 
wear diapers as well as wear anything above diapers so why not have combined both of them and then make a diaper and this is what these guys did and it's not that they are new to the game they have already been in the business of uh, sanitary pads the footprint was there the manufacturing capabilities was there pari as the mother brand was there they only have to improvise come up with a differentiated product use the same footprint or or, or the retail distribution channel and online was always there so if you look at pari pari gets 60 70% of its revenue from offline but super cute uh, the numbers are flipped 60% or more than 50% comes from uh, offline uh, online sorry i think i got to know about them two and a half years too late i've got a three and a half year old at home <laughs> and at the time it was indeed a challenge to fix that part of his life i think what what might not be late for you abhi would be xyxx <laughs> aha that's right what's that about what do these guys do it's it's a men's premium innovative brand so it it might never be late for you <laughs> <laughs> has also been featured you've written about them Got you it. know two things unique about this brand is the founder yogesh yogi is what people call him first thing very unique about what he did was to have a name which would break you know the clutter in the market it would make people curious at least that would be the first way of making them or tempting them try the brand and once you try you will get to know the quality this is what he was betting big on because you can't take on the traditional guys present in this segment with whatever traditional name and the offering and and he was fed up with jockeys of the world and and th- this guy studied in us came back to india and and wherever he went he always he only saw jockey or look alike of jockey so he saw big market which could be disrupted and this is what xyxx is doing excellent i don't know where where is it that uh, you guys dig into brands and uh, get them onto those you know, pages scale rahul uh, which has become the new brand ambassador <laughs> right uh, is it the medium then the last question rajiv is it the medium offline could never do for instance unless you could get yourself on prime time television you could never get people to walk into your stores today whether it's country delights word of mouth or noise does the medium allow you to go viral or spread the word faster and of course it has uh, fewer overheads to start with i will i will answer this question by using what chakri of uh, country delight told me and very interesting thing that he said the, if you look at the the pack of the milk pack of these guys they use im alumni uh, and uh, he has been trolled a lot also for this using the im tag on the milk packs you ask us this guy does im tag help you in s- selling your product you know it it might make people curious it might make people try the brand but unless you have got the quality you won't get repeat users boss it's as simple as it so the same thing holds true for medium medium might help you in reaching out to the consumers and making that first purchase or buy but unless you have got that big differentiated product innovative and quality product it won't happen there has to be a pull it can't be a push so medium is a push but the product has to be a pull then only it works excellent thank you very much rajiv for your time on uh, this podcast and uh, for those bunch of stories from you and your team everyone thanks a lot abhi great talking to you thank you and all you listeners you can get this podcast on forbesindia.com on uh, apple podcast spotify stitcher and any other app that you use to consume this kind of content and to have someone call you for a forbes india subscription message forbes to 51818